Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. Hour number two here on this Thursday, T.C. Martin Ballpark. Frank with ya. Uh-huh. Getting ready for tomorrow's show. Again, a little heads up. We're uh, going music tomorrow. That's right. Music, music, music. A variety of genres of music as well, too. Take a little break from sports because we love music. We love sports. We're incorporating it tomorrow. So two hours. When you turn on the show tomorrow between 2 and 4, you're going to be hearing some great tunes, favorite songs of ours, special meaning to us, and our guests, our regular guests are participating. And uh, if you just listened to the last hour, you heard Trevor Maddich just get a, a jump ahead. Uh, we had Steve Sachs getting a jump ahead yesterday. Uh, you can see these athletes love their music like I love the music, like you love the music. And we decide, hey, let's do a music show one day, make a specialty show. And uh, tomorrow is that day, playing some of our favorite songs. We're inviting some of our regular guests that uh, you hear all the time here. Doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball season, or some our, maybe our not broadcasters. Even a, some maybe not even in the sports world. Uh, true, true, true. So uh, we've got. Uh, s- Several, many that will be participating tomorrow. They get to come in and play DJ, announce their song, what uh, song means uh, the most to them, or one of theirs. Again, it's it's impossible to pick one, two, or three songs. Again, like I said last hour, we probably have at least over a hundred go tos that just mean so much to us. But tomorrow, we're picking songs that uh, kind of fit the mode, fit the mood. Tomorrow, have a good time with it. So uh, tomorrow, two to four, it is the TC Martin Show. Songfest. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I say, I'm going over the, all this, and maybe I took it a little bit too serious, but it was very hard for me to cut it down and try to find the vibe of everything else and how negative do you want to go, how positive do you want to go, you know, something that's not necessarily a ballad, but maybe a little bit slower, you know, what's too rocking out or too long or short or whatever. So, yeah, it's uh, it was quite an endeavor, but uh, a lot of fun at the same time. Yeah, I, I just still find it amazing that a guy that went to BYU is a fan of Death on Two Legs. Yeah, right. <laughs> Plus, I was thinking too when you asked him about that game coming up. Yeah, it, it, like on the on the nature channels, a wildcat and a cougar would probably be a pretty good fight. Yeah, it's true. I don't know how much of a fight it's going to be uh, with uh, the Arizona Wildcats. Well, yeah, this year. I mean, uh, wow. you know, uh, fr- frequently yeah. on the on the gridiron and stuff like that, yeah. the names don't really mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, looking forward to our music show tomorrow. Make sure you, you tune in. Scott Spritzer is going to join us a little bit later this hour. We start talking some handicapping of week number three. Remember that is the final r- uh, preseason action coming up this weekend. Uh, games actually. Uh, starting tomorrow night with that. So they load those up Friday, Saturday. Not going to really have any Sunday games. Uh, and well, they then, don't want to go against the Jake Paul fight because yeah, they course. know that that's a loser. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Al Bernstein, uh, I'll, you know, Al Bernstein wanted to join us, you know, tomorrow. Because, again, 
Well, you talk about the music, man. He is the music exactly. man. And again, you know, when we talk so much music on the show with people that, uh, you know, either perform or just have a, you know, music historians and all that sort of thing. And so Al Bernstein was one of the first guys that came to mind. Okay, we got to incorporate Al in the show. Al is so apologetic saying, I can't participate tomorrow because he's going to be on a plane because he's going to call the Jake Paul Tyrone Woodley fight. Uh, coming up on uh, Sunday night. By the way, did you see the fireworks during that uh, little weigh-in today? There were some fireworks going on because during the the standoff, apparently the Jake Paul camp or entourage started uh, shouting some stuff and saying it to Tyrone Woodley's mother. Jake uh, Jake Paul said, well, they were all idiots. We're all to blame in that. And Tyrone Woodley's like, no. No, we're not all to blame. Your people are completely out of line. They have no business doing this. Tyrone Woodley's sister got in the face a couple of the, She almost got in a brawl with some of the people. Tyrone Woodley basically, after the weigh-ins and the standoff, said, F this fight, F the purse. F it. I mean, he is very upset because he thinks it's completely classless. So all of a sudden, there's a little bit more fireworks now because Tyrone Woodley said, you want to say stuff to me, that's fine. You bring my mother into this, and it's a whole new ball game. So a little bit more animosity between the camps now. I'm hoping that that fuels it to maybe be a better fight on Sunday because when you bring somebody's mama into it, Sometimes that's not good. Well, people thought that you know the brother, you know, taking Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s hat. I know, and I, I know it's all garbage. promo stuff yeah. too. But yeah, but it's yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, okay, that, so we know this fight is a joke. Okay, now are you sure? You said the weigh-ins. You, this had to be the press conference, well, yeah, right? The, yeah, just because the, the weigh-ins would well, not well, yeah, be until yeah, 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 no, Saturday. Well, yeah, they were standing right? there and they're. But it know, wasn't the weigh-ins. Jake Paul was shirtless, sure, whatever it was. Some oh no, I'm just wondering because yeah. this fight is such a joke. Yeah, it could be a weigh-in. I was going, why would they be weighing in three days? Yeah, ahead I don't of time? I know. Well, whatever it was, because like, okay. the, the families were all Probably sitting in conference. chairs and that, and they were standing and kind of facing off and doing yeah. this stuff. And Woodley was just standing there with his hands kind of crossed, like, and let's get this over. And Jake Paul's trying to like flex to show that I don't have my shirt on. Because, you know, but but then they started talking trash to his right. mom, and he did not appreciate that. And in this specialty goofball stuff here, I, I said stuff and not something else, uh, do they even have weigh-ins? Is there a need for a weigh-in? I, I don't know. Because I, th- I think there will be weigh-ins because they're going to say what the weights are or but whatever. But are, are these guys, because we saw the, what, the 60-pound difference between Paul and Mayweather, so that didn't even matter. No, but so I think they what's still the situation just need it for this to, fight. I, 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 I think it's like whatever they weigh in there, they're still a fight or whatever. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I honestly it's not like someone, that close. It's not like they're going to uh, cancel the bout if someone's over the weight limit. No, no, no. Yeah. There probably isn't a weight limit, right? I, I think it's like if there is, it's like a catch weight of 190 or one. I mean, it's a, enough that, that, that they're both going to make whatever weight it is or what whatever. What would we so. fight at normally? Oh, uh, man, I, I don't even remember for okay. sure. It, it wasn't that big. So Jake Paul will have some size and weight on him. Okay. I mean, that's Like I what, said, Woodley was never a heavyweight, though. He was... No, no, that's what yes, I'm, I'm saying. saying yeah. So they're going to be close, right? Yeah. You know? 175? Yeah, one, 170 was, around yeah, there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. right. yeah, I was going to say that's one of the UFC weight classes. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was around there or something like that. So Paul is going to be bigger than him. Woodley might be a little bit bigger than normal because he doesn't have to cut weight for this fight. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and I was looking at a little bit of the undercard, too, and because I know Al was saying, you know, there's some good fighters on there. And that there are some good fighters, but I don't know if there's good betting options. Yeah. Because, like, the women's fight before the main event of Jake Paul and Tyrone Woodley, uh, the favorite's like a minus 2,000 or something. Yeah. So, you know, there's, th- there's some decent fighters, 
But there's, I don't know how competitive the fights are going to be. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I think what Al is saying is, it, you know, these type of things get, Showtime got lambasted last time because they are Showtime Championship Boxing, especially they're the standalone now that, you know, HBO is gone as far as, you know, your, your satellite and cable televisions. But, you know, at least they're putting regular their boxers in there in matches. Right. And I think that's what he was saying. At least you're going to have matches are they going to be competitive we'll see but that's a lot better you know than the nonsense and they tried to do that with the the last card too but i mean one of the fighters i know had to drop out of it uh frank mira actually was decent although he's a former mma fighter in his one boxing match so they are trying to put some names out there and make it a little bit more legit and that sort of stuff but i think you you have to if you you want to keep the audience well yeah if you want to keep the audience and also the mma and the boxing exactly and that's the other thing too if you want to keep yeah you're going to get the novelty fans of the youtube and the social media media people for the Paul brothers but if you want to try to legitimize it at all and bring other people in then you have to have some names out there and like we mentioned when we talked to L this is an opportunity for those people that maybe aren't as well known to get their name out there and probably look good on a fight card and maybe it's a name that somebody will remember and then they get on a on a different card that's all boxing or something so I don't really see I know a lot of people just poke fun at it and say all the negatives about it hey you know what the fighters are getting paychecks and you know, if if they can get a couple extra dollars and get their name out there a little bit more, God bless them for it. It's a capitalistic society. You're watching this thing on Sunday, aren't you? I I probably am because I've been looking around. I have a couple friends that wanted to see it. I wasn't going to go out of my way to see it. You're not going to pay for it, though, are you? No, 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 no. Okay. I I noticed today there's a place that has advertised that there is no cover charge. So okay, so go someplace else instead of buying it at home. Oh, I wouldn't buy it at yeah. home, no matter what. And do we know what is the the price tag? Fifty nine ninety nine. This one's I looked 59. at it today. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, which is still cheaper than the Pacquiao fight was last week. Which <laughs> well, was... of course it's going to be cheaper. Yeah, I mean, but that... the Pacquiao, a lot of people thought they would drop the the price once Spence Junior went out, and they didn't. It was still seventy five yeah. bucks. Some people thought it was going to be cheaper. But that this that's for a a world title fight. This is for. No title, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I'm saying all yeah. that they talked about was how the Pacquiao fight had lost some of the lusters to the non yeah, but that's, big yeah. fans that's and that a, sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, both prices are – I wouldn't pay that price for either one of the fights well, I mean, at home. I mean, you look at uh, you know other championship fights, they're in the neighborhood of $100. They're $99. And, and, and I get that, so, and yeah. I wouldn't pay that either. Yeah. Now, maybe yeah. I'm cheap or maybe – that, that's why I'll find a place to go out and watch it someplace. bucks for this because we've seen oh, other – I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, we, we've seen other fights of this magnitude, which, again, is a joke, have, have been for 25 and $29, even $19. Yeah. Well, they've definitely but, gone up, and I think – But they're going Woodley's name a little bit, and they're saying, okay, he's a former UFC guy, so maybe we can get 49 59 bucks. So, well, I think they're also that's the showing that they've been making money at the other prices. So they've been jacking it up oh, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's supply and demand. If they didn't think they'd get it, they wouldn't charge it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who's buying it. Again, probably a relatively fair price if you're you're into that. So we'll see. And again, Nunchuck's not paying for this it. This seems to me like a card that if you're a boxing fan and you're buying it, you're buying it for the earlier fights. If you're a social media person, you want to see Jake Paul, then you're going to pay whatever that is. Yeah, so I'm telling you right now, the boxing fan isn't buying this at all because even the the boxing fan hasn't really heard of of these other the, fighters. the undercard fighters. Yeah, because those are undercard fighters who would never even be on a pay per view. So again, they're marketing to Jake Paul. That's who they're marketing to, and possibly the UFC. So the, those are their their two targets. And I don't think it's 
probably even 50-50 with that, do you? Oh, no, no, yeah. no way. Yeah. Because UFC has a free event going on. Well, there's a Saturday night, but they have another this fight Sunday, night card yeah. on, on Saturday. This is Sunday, so. It'll be interesting yeah, I, to see what, again, the, what the number I, I of buys Again, I don't know are. what the numbers did before. I I was amazed at how much the one where they had the concert and the fights going on or whatever were, you know, where Snoop Dogg performed and then Justin Bieber was and, there and, and all this. And people are buying for that. You know, because yeah. I, I went there because, again, I met some friends and I watched that not knowing that all the concert was there. And I'm like, so it, it's a three or four hour thing, but over half of it is music stuff from people I don't know and don't give a rat's you know what about. <laughs> but there are probably some Bieber fans and some oh, there were. Fans. The funny thing was yeah. one of the people I was with was like, well, I don't really know those other people, but now at least Justin Bieber's here and I'll know I'll know the tunes they're playing. And then apparently he did some stuff that isn't hits of his, like he broke out some new material yeah. and he said, I don't know any of these songs either. <laughs> I'm like, well, I wouldn't have known them either way. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, and I and I because I our buddy Armando, he's mm-hmm. the one, and he knew that this was going on. I looked at For him sure. and he yeah. goes, he goes, well, Frank, I wasn't going to tell you that because I knew then you wouldn't show up. And I'm like, make Armando pay for the meal, okay? There you go. He wants you there. Go to go to the meal, Armando. You making me sit through this nonsense? Armando said that he was happy when he went to SummerSlam because he said he got his beers and stuff like that before everything broke down. So (laughs) so he was content with it. But uh, but yeah. Now we also said that oh well, if I knew that they were giving away stuff, maybe it would have gone back down there. Here we go. (laughs) We always talk about the people going for the free food. There it is. Okay. Uh, NFL stuff. All right. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has tested positive for COVID. Um, he's going to miss up to up to ten days, although he's vaccinated. So there's the caveat there. Yes, he's vaccinated now. People are going, wait, how could this happen? You know, you can get COVID, and we've you know talked to our good friend Dr. Christina Madison. Yes, you can still contract this, but here's here's the weird part of this story. So yes, he tested positive uh, for COVID. He's been vaccinated. However, Tannehill said that he was in the process of getting vaccinated when training camp started. So he probably came into contact maybe actually before he was actually vaccinated. Or maybe just got one of the shots and not both. Exactly. So he said at the time that he wouldn't have gotten the vaccine, but that the NFL is forcing players' hands by instituting these protocols. So here is another guy that we've talked about. We talked about Cole Beasley. We talked about uh, you know other uh, Cam Newton refusing to get vaccinated. Lamar Jackson. Be- Lamar Jackson, uh, who's had it twice and still doesn't right? want to get vaccinated. Cole Beasley has been very um, vocal about this. And uh, speaking of Cole Beasley, him and Isaiah McKenzie of the Buffalo Bills, both wide receivers, were fined for virus violations as they refused to wear their masks at the Buffalo Bills practice facility. Now, McKenzie was fined $14,000. Beasley did not say what he was fined. But, yeah, fourteen grand for that. These guys refusing to wear masks. And, again, we're at the point now where this is just stupid. It's just dang stupid for them to now, I'm going to be defiant and not wear masks. You're part of a team. You're part of an organization. An organization that's paying you. And, more importantly, the teammates. Remember we talked about this for the last week or so. How much of a circus is this going to be you know, for the people that are trying to say, I'm not going to get vaccinated in your own locker room? And we're seeing the divide already right now. And yeah, if I'm a teammate and I'm getting ready to, to start week number one, I'm saying, dude, you got to get vaccinated. 
you got to do it. And because you got to think of your safety, your family's safety, your teammates' safety, and what about this too? You do not want to get a forfeit because the NFL is going to go forfeits, plain and simple. If teams contract this, there's no postponements, there's no makeups. And again, at this point in time, it's just selfish. And you can refuse to do it, but just be smart what you say and remember that you're being paid by this organization. This organization is trying to keep their team and their organization, their facility, their environment healthy. It's pure selfishness. I mean, you can be on one side or the other with this thing, but this is going to be a problem. And the guys that are like Cole Beasley, guys like Lamar Jackson, like Cam Newton, who are refusing, they're going to be targets for the rest of the season until they do get vaccinated. Well, and can you imagine if one of these guys does spread it out throughout the locker room and he's going to cost every single person on that team a paycheck? Rudy Gobert? You know, that, that, that is not going to be a good look. That is not going to be a way to ingratiate yourself in the locker room there. And I thought it was interesting because you just said just be smart or whatever. And I don't know, maybe there's NFL rules against this. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen it yet. Okay, say you don't want to wear a mask. But you have to now because that's what they're mandating. So wear a mask that says something like, I don't want to wear this thing, but I have to. You know, like when... Right. You know, when Mr. Skittles went up there, Marshawn Lynch, and said, I'm only here so I don't get fined or whatever. Wear a mask of an advertiser. Sell it. Sell it. You know, who who are you supporting? A, a car dealership or this, that, or whatever. Wear something that makes you money or something like that. If you're against it, at least profit from it or something like that. I don't understand this whole thing. We have to wear masks to go to the grocery store, to go to the casinos, to go out anywhere or whatever. Unless you want to stay home and locked up in your room, Wear the damn mask. If you want to go out to events and stuff like that, get the vaccine. You have the right to not get it. But if you don't want to, then I'm sorry. You should, you should have to be self-quarantined. And don't give me this stuff of my constitutional rights and this, that, and the other. We've talked about it, like you said before, with Dr. Christina Madison and other people in that. Tuberculosis, smallpox. Other, there's been mandated vaccines before. I believe you can't go to Clark County School District without at least five vaccines and some like up to eight or whatever, the junior highs or whatever. That I don't know because I don't have kids. But you have to get vaccines for a lot of stuff today. So don't tell me they can't mandate it. That's just stupid. And by the way, the last argument that just went by the wayside, there's now at least one that is FDA approved. Right. So Tannehill is going to miss uh, up to 10 days. We'll see if that affects uh, opening day. It should be okay uh, by the season opener. But since visiting Tampa, uh, and we know how, how Florida is, you know, with COVID and everything, when Tennessee visited Tampa for joint practices with the Buccaneers, the Titans have now placed seven players on the reserve list, the COVID list. And Coach Mike Vrabel tested positive for COVID-19 uh, as well on Sunday. Two other Titan players have tested positive as well. Former Titans kicker Ryan Suckup, and I say former Titans kicker because he's now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, uh, he tested positive for COVID. So this was running rampant between these joint practices. And we talk about joint practices. Hey, is this a good thing or a bad thing? We really never even talked about it from a COVID perspective. We talked about it as far as you know getting your team ready, does it have a little bit less meaning for the preseason games because you're doing the joint practices before you face this team, you know, two days before. Now we're seeing people get COVID 
during these joint practices. So Suckup, like we said, now a member of the Bucks, tested positive on Monday. Suckup went to dinner with three Titans players while they were in Tampa during these joint practices. However, luckily, none of the Titans players that were at that dinner had tested positive, but seven other ones did. And uh, if we're looking at the scoreboard here as far as the percentage of teams uh, or players being vaccinated on these teams, the Tennessee Titans do say they have 97% of their team and their uh, coaching staff vaccinated. Right, and again, but like we but said before. your quarterback has got it. Well, and again, I mean, it, it is, even if you are vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't get it. It means the symptoms are probably going to be a lot m- more mild, and you're probably not going to end up in an ICU or something. So, you know, those are some of the advantages. I don't know what's going to happen this season. I don't think they're off to a great start. I am curious to see if probably when some team does have to forfeit a game out there. I just don't know why this is so politicized. And now I'm sure you've heard the latest stuff about this. And I was watching some of the news channels last night, Channel Surfing. Now there's a big thing where people are taking the stuff for horses and cows and that, a dewormer thing, because social media says that gets rid of COVID better than the vaccine. So the CDC actually sent out a text saying, you're not a, how, you're not a horse, you're not a cow. Come on, y'all, quit doing this stuff. They're literally telling people, people, and they don't know the dosage to put in them in that because it, 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 it basically deworms horses and cows and livestock on the farm in that, and people are shooting this stuff into their bodies instead of getting the vaccine. Wait. I don't understand Wait. people. So you're telling me that people are putting a vaccine or something that, a livestock a vaccine livestock that's for vaccine. deworming horses then and again, cows mainly they won't get this approved fda vaccine Be- because they say they don't want to put something in their body that they don't know what's right. in it i'm sure that they all know every single ingredient that's in the vaccine for the horses and cows the, the cdc literally sent out a text saying you're not a horse you're not a cow knock you, it off you understand when you use the term deworming you lost me right there. A deworming drug. It, it's for it's for livestock that have worms in I their know. stomachs that's, and stuff like that's that. My so, point. Yeah. That that scares me off right there. Well, I would think so too. For first off, as soon as somebody says something's for a horse or a cow, I'm thinking I I don't run around on four legs, so it's probably not for me. The drug is generally used in animals to treat or prevent certain parasites or heartworm disease. That's it. Let's stick that in our veins. And they're doing it all over the place. It, it, they said that in Arkansas right now, I think that's one of the states that they were talking about, the farmers can't get this ingredient anymore to take care of their livestock and their farms because people are buying it up so much. And then, and, and then what dose do you put in yourself? Yeah. They said that local physicians in that are getting called in hospitals. People are calling going, okay, I got the stuff. Now, how much, do, how much do I inject into me? And they're like, don't inject any of it. No, no, I saw it on Facebook. Facebook, because social media never lies. <laughs> Screw the government and all these scientists and everybody else. Give me something for Mr. Ed. I'm having a flashback to uh, maybe one or several of the Blacklist episodes where, uh, you know, Red has his uh, own private doctor who's, uh, you know, on a farm somewhere in a, in a, in a vet. And, uh, you know, a guy gets shot up and, hey, you've got to go patch this guy up. Well, we can't take him to a hospital because, you know, going to get arrested or whatever. Yeah, let's take him to my vet friend. Uh, what? I'm, I'm here in a vet? I'm, I'm not going to do that. Oh, believe me, it's, it's, it's cool. It's fine. 
totally fine. Oh, okay. I mean, I know, on, up. I know on Green Acres, Arnold was considered part of the family, yeah. the pig to the Ziffles, but it was a TV show. It wasn't real. And he was a very small pig. He wasn't a 3,000-pound horse or whatever they get up to. Hey, ask Samuel Jackson, though, in Pulp Fiction, Jules Winfield. He'll tell you, that Arnold Ziffle, man, he's pretty. He's smart. He's smarter than your average dog, I'll tell you that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I saw, I heard about this, and then last night I saw it on the news. And there, there's, there's certain states out there where they said they're running out of this drug for the farmers and that to use for their livestock because so many people are buying it and using it, actually using it. The Rams got Sony Michelle. Can you use the dewormer on them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're talking the Rams, the football team, not yeah. the, not the livestock. <laughs> <laughs> Rams get Sony Michelle from the New England Patriots. Uh, the Rams running back Cam Akers, he's been injured. Daryl Henderson is the starter. So the Rams, they're in dire need of some help at the running back position. Obviously, this was a, a big issue for them last season after getting rid of Todd Gurley. Sony Michelle is a guy that uh, can play. And uh, a little bit surprised that the Patriots decided to get rid of him. But I can see why. Because they're having so much... Uh, you know, positivity with with uh, with Damian Harris from uh, who came out of Alabama, you know, two years ago. Uh, so he, he's going to get his reps. It looks like. So the Patriots said, "Hey, Sony Michelle, you are expendable." The Rams get him. So yeah, we'll see how this works out. Uh, you know, for the Rams, but uh, yeah, definitely they need some help at running back. Almost as much help as the Raiders need at linebacker. And, and you know, it's interesting too because you look at something like that. When a play, if you're going to get cut from a team, it's probably more advantageous to get cut early so other teams can get a good look at you in that before they get their rosters there. You know, sometimes if you hang on to the final cut, you don't have a team left to go to or whatever. So for for Sony Michelle, uh, you know that that might be a good move that uh, you know that he got cut early enough for the Rams to come and pick him up. Right, right. So. Yeah, uh, Sonny Michel. You know, he had a great game for the Patriots. I think he had like 94 yards and a touchdown against the Rams when they played him in that Super Bowl. So a lot of times, you know, coaches will do that. They'll say, hey, you know, this guy, you know, you know tore us up, uh, you know, a few years back. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this guy. So anyway, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But, uh, yeah, the Raiders, uh, you know, also, uh, you know, made, made a couple moves here uh, as well, too. They're looking for some – some big-time linebacking help, and they signed uh, linebacker Denzel Perryman. Now, he's got to pass a physical you know, first, but Perryman uh, actually played for Gus Bradley his time as uh, defensive coordinator for the San Diego Chargers. I just said San Diego. There you go. The L.A. Chargers. And then Perryman spent the, the last couple seasons with the Carolina Panthers. So uh, here we go. The Raiders already you know, looking for, for moves here via trade, and uh, you know, they, they got him for a six-round pick. So nice move by the Raiders, and we'll see what Perryman you know brings. Uh, Denzel Perryman, a, a pretty good linebacker, but the Panthers willing to uh, to part ways with him. But uh, moves being made uh, before training camp even has their final cuts. Yeah, and kind of a point of concern too when you're already talking about injury problems and a little bit of lack of depth and that kind of stuff in preseason when there's still you know a couple more cuts to make. So, but yeah. uh, we'll see how it plays out. But you know, it's a contact sport, and you know. It's injuries do happen out there. I'm curious to see what happens with the final cuts and that kind of stuff because once those are made this year, it's not going to be another preseason game for some, you know. But they can bring somebody in and practice, and like you said, people are going to have to, you know, pass physicals and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You wonder that too. Uh, how many times are we going to see somebody saying that they've signed so and so to a contract? 
oh, wait a second, he passed the physical physical, but he's got COVID. Right. There you go. All right, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We start handicapping the final preseason games this weekend, plus college football. And our guy from uh, Omaha, Nebraska is pretty dialed in because Saturday we've got Nebraska, Illinois. Get wrecked with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, finally we're hitting the end of the preseason schedule. I say finally because just not a big fan of preseason. And I know that you can find some spots from a betting perspective. It usually works out. But you need to get the information. And if you don't have that information, then you're in trouble. Or sometimes we get the wrong information. I just had a flashback to commercial I had to do years ago. And that's why when I'm saying this, I'm looking at you like that. Yes. Yeah. The the guys that do the uh, the tout services, they use the different names, and uh, it's the same guy, but it's a different name every year and that sort of thing. Yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah. <laughs> College football starts this week, too. We've got a handful of games and a, a big docket on the way next week. And let's visit with our good friend Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Scott, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey. All right. Uh, you know I want to talk uh, Nebraska-Illinois with you here. But uh, before uh, we get into that, let's, uh, let's zero in on the NFL. Week three, final preseason games here. Uh, how are we handicapping these these final games? Just like you said, man, just trying to find information where you find one team playing their regulars a little bit more than their opponent, and that's kind of been the case you know, this year as in every other year, but it has been a different handicap because we haven't seen you know, coaches that normally play to win not always play to win. Look at uh, the Vikings. You know, you got a coach who has always won preseason games, and all of a sudden it looks like he just doesn't care about results. He cares about keeping guys healthy. They can't win. You look at Baltimore, same old, same old. They would have they won 19 or 20 straight preseason games now under Harbaugh. So it's just a, a little bit different approach and mindset. I'm not involved in nearly as many preseason games as I have been in years past. And um, uh, you look at some stuff going on this week. You've got, for instance, the Raiders playing San Francisco on Sunday. Uh, the Niners have come out and said, you know, Shanahan has said their regulars, their starters are going to play a good chunk of this football game. We still haven't had anything confirmed on what Gruden and the Raiders are going to do in this contest. you got a quarterback for them who's played every snap so far, basically, in Peterman. So the different stuff going on, some coaches still look like they want to go out there and give it their best shot. Yeah, everybody talks about Gruden winning these games. He won last week. Well, they were outgained by more than 100 yards in the game. It wasn't because they outplayed their opponent that they won that game. It's just the way things fell by the end of the contest. So, yeah, it's just got to pick and choose a lot. You know, I'm looking at maybe the under in the Jaguars game, which doesn't go until Sunday. Uh, We did find out today that the Titans are a mess when it comes to the COVID protocol situation. You know, all of a sudden, Tennessee's got guys missing left and right. Uh, because of COVID, including some coaches. And, you know, because of that, all of a sudden you see the Chicago uh, Bears get a spike in the line for Saturday's game. So, uh, you know, my best thing, again, my best piece of advice is wait till as close to game time as possible if you don't have the important information yet on those games. And then if you do get some, you know, great information before kickoff, you use it. You know, we saw last week the Eagles game. I took a loss there. You know, we're looking at a quarterback in Hurts who was supposed to play. He's on the sideline three minutes before kickoff, dancing around, throwing the football, full pads, 
as they're kicking the ball off, they say, well, he's been taken off the field. He's not going to play the entire game. Didn't know why. Found out later it was a stomach issue. So it's just one of those things, man. It's like this is one of the first preseasons that I can remember where I said it's probably better to wait until week one of the regular season. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Hey, if you want to be patient, uh, you know, just, just wait till week number one when they're really playing for real. And going back to what you said, use the example as the Raiders and the 49ers. The 49ers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They play Sunday at 1 o'clock in San Francisco, or actually, I guess, uh, Santa Clara to be exact there at Levi Stadium. But what advantage is it, Scott, really for a coach to come out and say – you know, who they're going to play for how long and that sort of thing. Because we know for the most part, you know, during the course of regular seasons, pretty much in, in all sports, you know, managers and baseball and then even, you know, with, with uh, NBA coaches and even the NFL, I mean, they have to put out injury reports. We get that. But a coach never, ever wants to kind of tip their, their game plan. So and everyone is trying to find the edge, find out who's going to play, who's not going to play, what's in the coach's mindset. Some of these coaches will actually talk about it, but others still kind of want to play it close to the vest here. And I guess, you know, my long-winded question here is, is you know, why should a coach come out and, and tell people what he's going to do? I think in preseason, it's, and this goes back several years, and so it might be a little bit different now, but it, to me it seems the same and it seems logical. You know, I asked Jack Snow that one time, the former Rams All-Pro, the former Notre Dame All-American, and, and this is, of course, you know, 15 or more than that, 17 years ago, and I asked him why you will see coaches, some coaches do it, some coaches won't, and he basically explained it's just kind of a gentleman's agreement in preseason, but not everybody's a gentleman, right? And so you will see guys saying what they're going to do. And, you know, maybe that still holds true to a certain extent. I mean, if I'm on the other sideline, it's only a preseason game. I want to know what the other team's going to do so we can throw out, you know, our certain players to match up and see how we do. And we can both get something out of that preseason game. So, uh, you know, the best of my knowledge is if that still holds true, what it did a couple of decades ago, uh, then that's the reason they do it. But you do still see some coaches, you know, playing it by the vest or whatever you want to call it when it comes to announcing who's going to play and who's not going to play. I mean, for instance, you know, they could have announced in Philly last week that he wasn't going to play at quarterback in that game probably before the kickoff, right? I mean, it's, yep. you know, so it's just kind of interesting to see how guys match up against each other. But I think for the most part, you know, if I'm going to put my starters out there for a half, I don't want to see my starting quarterback and starting offensive line going up against guys who are trying to make the team. I want to see how they're going to fare against the best the other team has to offer, at least for a quarter. And because of that, I'm going to announce, hey, I'm going to start you know, my guy at quarterback. I'm going to start my offensive line first stringers, defense first stringers, the whole shebang, just to let the other guy know because I want to see how I match up against their best and see what i got to work on going into the regular season. I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier with the Raiders and starting Peterman taking every snap in the first two preseason games. There seems to be a lot of people out there that think that they want to see if maybe he's qualified to be the backup and use Mariota for some trade bait, maybe get some linebackers, maybe get something to help the team down the road or something like that. Do you buy that theory, or do you think it's just because they don't want to put Mariota and Carr in there so it's, it's his ball to have for the preseason games? Man, I, I don't agree with those people at all, uh, Frank. I, I'm looking at that. And I'm going, you know, I've heard people say it about Peterman. Look how well, he hasn't played that well. He's thrown 65 passes against backups. He's got one touchdown and three interceptions. You know, he's been functional, I guess you could say. And so when I hear people say, well, we got to, you know, maybe move Peterman ahead of Mariota in a depth chart, I'm like, boy, if they do that, they're asking for trouble. 
Uh, Mariota knows how to start regular season football games, whether you like what his results have been or not is another story. But Peterman, you know, he's not an NFL starter. He's certainly a backup, and you don't want to go to him, I think, if you would get an unfortunate injury to Derek Carr. So, you know, let him have his preseason snaps. Let him maybe audition for another team if he can't break it in, in, in Las Vegas. But, again, I'm watching him play against backups. I mean, they got outgained by over 100 yards last week against the Rams. And, again, he's thrown one touchdown, three interceptions against backups so far this preseason. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Scott Spreitzer joins us, uh, Doc Sports, talking a little NFL action here, Scott, as we look forward to the regular season. We still have a couple teams that are going through some quarterback battles. Uh, give me your thoughts here on uh, w- what's going to happen with uh, a couple of these teams here. And I know uh, San Francisco, speaking of uh, the Raiders and the Niners this week, I'm it sounds like they're going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, but still Trey Lance is, is, is breathing down Garoppolo's uh, throat. Then over in New England, now you got the Mac Jones scenario because Cam uh, Newton hasn't been around for the past five you know days or so. And the Saints, they still got themselves a quarterback battle going. Yeah, I guess, you know, Sean Payton is saying he's going, well, there's been two ways of thinking about this. There's some talk that Sean Payton is going to announce who his regular season starter is going to be minutes before the final preseason game kicks off. Uh, There's others saying he's going to wait and see how they perform in that game, which goes back to our original thoughts. What I jumped on with you guys is, you know, there's a game I don't want to play. I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to make the call and say, hey, this guy's our starter. He's going to sit for this game, and the other guy's going to just go out and play and go through the motions. He's going to be the backup in week one of the regular season. That's what's going on in New Orleans. So, you know, I got a feeling Sean Payton's already made up his mind. I know they gave a ton of pats on the back to Jameis Winston last week, and rightfully so. He played well, uh, but he did play with the starters. And then you bring in his backup, who's trying to fight for a job, and a guy who's been there for a while, so he knows Peyton's system, but he's playing with all the reserves. And so if Peyton has yet to make up his mind, he's going to start Hill, let him play with the starters, and then have Jameis Winston come in afterwards, whether he plays with starters or backups, to give Hill a true shot at being able to start. I'll tell you this much. Listen, we know that Jameis Winston has a busload of talent. We do know that. We also know that he makes a busload of bad decisions when he's going through his progressions, and he'll throw the pick just when you don't need him to. And so, you know, I don't know. It's another tough one because he's saying he's going to announce it right before the last preseason game. Others are saying he won't until after that game. Uh, that's a tough one to call. I would probably – I mean, if it was up to me and you grade out quarterbacks the way I do, and I've got certain things that I look at that I grade out quarterbacks – in the NFL for handicapping purposes, I would be starting Jameis Winston in week one. I'd be using Hill all over the field like they've done before, coming in every once in a while and taking some snaps. When we look at some of these other quarterback battles, uh, a couple of decisions have already been made. We talk about the Bears going with Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is going to get thrown in the fire right away. Uh, we know Zach Wilson is going to get thrown in the fire right away with, with the Jets. You know, when we look at, at, at these games as we try to project here, you know, towards week one, either season win totals, all this sort of thing, you know, when you're looking at these quarterbacks, uh, are these go against guys right away? And I know we got to match up, you know, the opponents and that sort of thing, but specifically looking at Lawrence and looking at Wilson and, 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 and these guys that really, uh, you know, there, there's really nothing to gauge because we really haven't seen too much of them in the preseason. And then especially, you know, even like fields, you know, we haven't seen too much from college. Yeah. I think they're making the right decision in Chicago because if you watch fields, uh, he isn't recognizing some of the blitz schemes. He got his head torn off 
in, on a certain play last week, if you guys happen to see that highlight, or in his case, low light, because he didn't recognize a basic blitz scheme. And it was talked about a little bit by former players who said, man, he didn't pick that up at all. He didn't see it coming, uh, wasn't ready for it, and he got plastered. I don't think they want to throw him into the mix quite yet. As talented as it looks, he might be. He's got a lot to learn, and he's not recognizing things quickly enough. Trevor Lawrence, I, I did a video yesterday, guys, and I said, wow, nice of Urban Meyer to name Trevor Lawrence as the week one starting tackle dummy. Yeah, right. Uh, that's basically <laughs> what he's going to be. Uh, listen, he didn't win the job. He didn't lose the job. Gardner Minshew didn't do anything to show that he should be the starting quarterback. And I get it. This is an organizational decision. We made him our top pick. You better start him. The owner wants him. The fans that they have left around Jacksonville want Trevor Lawrence. I get why he's having to start him. That offensive line hasn't blocked well so far in the preseason. And Lawrence, when he looks downfield, you can see he's not processing things, not even close to being fast enough. He's looking through progressions, even against backups, and he looks completely overwhelmed by the speed of the NFL compared to the speed in college. And he's just not processing things as he goes through what should be his progressions. He's making bad reads. I mean, it's crazy the difference between college football's elite level and, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL. And you've got a quarterback who is Mr. Everything at an elite level in college, and he's got no clue for 80% of the game that he's out there in the NFL. So, he, it's unfortunate that Trevor Lawrence is in Jacksonville. I've said this many, many times over the years. If David Carr, who had a ton of talent, goes anywhere but Houston, who at the time had like an entire new starting offensive line, that guy could have been a Super Bowl contender more than once. If Tom Brady lands at an offensive line like Houston back then, as David Carr did, Tom Brady might be out of the league by now, and that's no knock against Brady. He landed in the right place. I just think Trevor Lawrence landed, unfortunately for him, in the wrong place. And now it's coming out today that the players are not reacting well to Urban Meyer's coaching style. You know, that raw, raw, in-your-face crap, grabbing guys by the face mask, not saying he did that, but, you know, just kind of exaggerating a little bit. That whole in-your-face style of coaching is great for college. It's not too hot in the NFL. And I think Urban Meyer is seeing that right now. They're not reacting to him too well. You know, you mentioned the fact of, you know, the owner wants him to play, the organization wants him to play. As a coach, how do you navigate that and go to him and say, look, looking at big picture, it's best not to play him right now because we don't want to get him injured. We don't want him to be a tackling dummy. We don't want him to uh, maybe get hurt or lose his confidence or something like that. I know owners pay a lot of money and they bring somebody in and they want him to do that, but if they're intelligent enough to trust the people they put in charge, sometimes less is more. Be on the sideline, watch the game, don't go out there, and be done before your career even starts. Are you telling me Jerry Jones hasn't made too many good decisions in the last 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I agree with you, Frank. It's like, I think that's one of the reasons sometimes we see guys who are, you know, great coaches in college not do so well in the pros because they're used to being the BMOC, the big man on campus, and now all of a sudden – you know, they think they're the big man out there, and then they find out real quick, real fast, behind closed doors that they're not the ones making or calling the shots in a lot of situations with a lot of these owners. Some of them are hands-off, but in the situation with Jacksonville, with Dallas, as I just mentioned, of course the owners pull on the strings. And I think that's hard for a coach who had such success at an elite college football program or two to get used to. I mean, listen, Urban Meyer's got a huge ego, and it's a healthy one. I'm not even saying there's anything bad about it. He's got a huge freaking ego, and 
And the thing is, now all of a sudden he's got to, you know, discuss with the so-called higher-ups, if there are any other than the owner, that he's got to start certain guys at certain positions. And, you know, that, that's got to be tough to overcome and tough to swallow your pride a little bit. I agree with you, Frank. I, I think owners should have a say. But I think the buck stops with your head coach if you think he was good enough to hire and run your program, your organization. Well, you know, you're going back to the, the quarterback situation where you, you got a high price guy, a high draft pick, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, throwing him to the Wolves. And then we see these coaches, owners, whoever you want to say, and they say, okay, well, yeah, you know, we, we, we got to play the guy, but maybe he needs some time, you know, to be tutored or whatever. And we heard all that with Miami with Tua. Tua came in, especially coming after the injury, and they say, okay, let's, let's let him sit a little bit here. But they didn't waste any time. I mean, Fitzpatrick was playing great, as we remember last, last season, two seasons ago, and then we've got uh, Tua just gets thrust in there. He wasn't ready to play. He wasn't ready to play because he couldn't read the schemes. He couldn't handle the blitz packages. And, of course, you know, the injury you know, to him that he had in college. So, I mean, all of this stuff plays into play here where these guys still continue to throw these guys you know, in there way too soon. Oh, I, I completely agree. It's like, you know, like for Jacksonville, I mean, what's your darn hurry? You've been a right. terrible organization for several years. You know, it doesn't matter if you start Gardner, Gardner Minshew or Trevor Lawrence in week one, week two, week three, you're going to lose. And so why have Trevor Lawrence out there getting his butt kicked? Some of those hits he took the other night, I don't know if you guys got to see the game, but some of those hits he took the other night were harder than any hit he ever took in college. I mean, you know, going up against Alabama, I don't care who you went up against, you weren't taking hits like that, and he looked small. You know, that's the crazy thing also. Trevor Lawrence looks small out there. Now, Gardner Minshew, I agree with you guys. I would start him. They, they're lucky they're starting against, or they're playing against Houston in week one. That might be the worst team in football, but that doesn't mean Jacksonville goes in and wins against the Texans. I would start Minshew because right now, you know, only because of experience at this level, I do rate Minshew ahead of Trevor Lawrence at this point. And it's not a situation where Trevor Lawrence is going to get you from 2-15 and 15 to 9-8 and eight and competing for a playoff uh, appearance this year. So why do you want to get this guy, get the crap kicked out of him, potentially injured, potentially damage him between the years, which could last for a couple of years to come, when you're not going to get anything worse by having Gardner Minshew in there? It's, it's almost stubborn of some owners who are like, hey, I'm paying him. Get him out there and play him. You know, well, great. If you're looking at this big picture, Trevor Lawrence sits his butt down, Fields sits his butt down, and they watch the game and how it operates behind a quarterback who's been playing for a while, whether that quarterback has had success or not. All right, Scott Spritzer joins us. Scott, you're tuned in in Nebraska. We know it, man. And uh, they're traveling to Illinois. Actually, probably the marquee game on a short docket on Saturday. Uh, Brett Bielema now coaching in Illinois. That's kind of ironic. A little Nebraska ties and everything. But Scott Frost on the hot seat. How do you uh, see this game as we see that uh, the, the Cornhuskers, what, a touchdown favorite on the road? Yeah, they uh, dropped as low as six and a half in a lot of places today. And then... I would say within an hour after a dropping to six and a half at about half the books, I got about 25 books on my screen. I would say at least 10 of them dropped to six and a half, and now they're almost all back up to seven, uh, which kind of tells you something. Listen, first of all, here's the thing. When you talk about this line, if you're totally into what you think is line value, this line opened 11 and a half earlier this summer. It's now a couple of books still six and a half. So it dropped all the way down to six and a half from 11 and a half earlier this summer. Um, the off-field situation last week with Nebraska that's been talked about, uh, the athletic director quitting, surprising some in June, and now Trev Alberts 
comes in to take over as AD. There's a lot of that kind of talk. Here's the thing that nobody mentions, and again, this is a game that most people are going to want to pass. The thing that nobody mentions is that they've got veteran, a veteran at center. And instead of learning the job the last couple of years and switching from tight end to center, and the quarterback-center exchange was absolutely horrible for two seasons, throwing off this timing offense. I mean, Adrian Martinez was jumping three feet in the air half the time trying to grab the snap from center in that you know, so-called shotgun uh, position. So now they've got a center who's been around for three years. He's had a much better spring, a much better summer. And I'm telling you right now that that was 30% of their offensive problems. They've also got a situation where they're playing an Illinois team that beat them 41-23 last year. And I had talked about on a couple of shows, that was not only a decade low for Nebraska. That might have been a 60-year low for Nebraska. 41-23 loss to the Illini. They beat themselves. They had a minus five turnover ratio. So listen, do I trust Nebraska a lot? I do at six and a half. Brett Bielema's got to take a lot of guys who are back from last year, which is good for Illinois, and all of a sudden employ these new systems that he's throwing at them. And this, of course, is their first game. Frost, Mike Riley recruits are basically gone for the most part now. It's finally his team. This is his most talented team. Having said that, if Illinois loses in this football game, they still recover and move on. they got a brand-new coach. If Nebraska loses this football game, I don't know that the players buy into Frost anymore this season. And with a new AD coming to town and with a little problem off the field, you know, it might not be that hard or difficult to get rid of Frost at the end of this season. If they lose to Illinois, I, I, there's just no way they make a bowl game and go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, what you're saying. And you've got to look at continuity. And even though both teams have struggled, you've got to go with Nebraska. And I'm not saying you lay the 6.5, but again, backs against the wall, feeling the heat. I think they're the more talented team, the more athletic team. And you're right, it is tough for a, a new coach to come in, especially under these COVID conditions and everything that's happening here, to instill a, uh, instill a new system, still learning his players and everything, limited practice time. If there's a spot for Nebraska, this could be it. And then again, and Scott, DC, yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you real quickly, if you want to look at it from how we watch lines move and who's moving them, you know, 90% of the bets of the tickets have come in on Illinois. Yeah, I 85 see. to 90%. And that line did drop to 6.5, but guess what? As soon as it did, boom, it's hit right. by wise action. It goes right back to 7 and so that's just something to think about also. Well, some of those people are, you know, they're making those bets in Illinois. still think Lovey Smith is the coach there, too. That's true, so, probably. Or maybe Butkus is a linebacker. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If Lovey Smith was still the coach, I might uh, shy away from them a little bit more. Uh, he did not work out well down there. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Transition that first year. It, it's tough. Scott, we appreciate it as always, my friend. Uh, we look forward to talking with you, of course, a lot during the course of the season. Uh, he's at Doc Sports. Go check out his picks, DocSports.com. Scott Spritzer. He's got all the sports covered. Uh, great stuff, brother. Appreciate you. Go Big Red. Take yeah. care, guys. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll wear my red and white on Saturday. That's the only game in town, really. So There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll sport it. Take care, man. Appreciate Take it. Take care, guys. And you know I love my corn on the cob anyway, so there you go. I used right. to have a couple of Illinois shirts or something like that back in the yeah. day. So yeah, yeah, people that I knew that would go down there would you know, bring did. me a shirt at the time yeah. or whatever. So I, I went online. I saw a t- good seats are still available for that game in Champaign. I'm sure there are. Yeah, yeah, you get tickets under fifty bucks for that game. Pretty good seats. It, 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 you could walk through the campus <laughs> and just pick them up from somebody out there. It's one of the few places that I remember going back years ago mm. when the scalpers were always selling tickets for under face value, and it wasn't much of a face <laughs> value back then, anyhow. All right, appreciate Scott joining us. Trevor Maddich, the wizard, the maestro, the guru. Appreciate him. And again, tomorrow, 
You're tuning in. You're going to hear some music. You're going to hear some some jams. You're going to hear some classic rock. You're going to hear some eclectic stuff because we're going music for two hours tomorrow. Our show tomorrow, the T.C. Martin Show, Song Fest. Our guests are chiming in with their favorite songs, uh, songs that have meaning to them, songs that have meaning for myself and Frank tomorrow. It's music. We're putting it in uh, the sports tie tomorrow, so we look forward to that. So join us tomorrow at 2 o'clock for our song fest. Looking forward to it. Going to be fun. All right. And, uh, yeah, just uh, for you guys to tune in and listen to what these guys like to listen to. Numchuck's looking forward to it being over. Yeah. (laughs) See you tomorrow at 2.